Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. And this episode is a continuation of a previous episode. If you go back to beyondthetodolist.com slash 77, you'll be able to catch part one of my ongoing who knows how many part series with Jeff Sanders. Yes, the Jeff Sanders of the 5am Miracle podcast and the new book, The 5am Miracle. I was very careful to listen to that previous episode so that there was no retread on this conversation. And I'm glad to tell you that there isn't any. We continue on from what we talked about last time, which was energy and rituals and ideal days on into starting your morning right, why waking at 5 a.m. is a good thing, and also that it doesn't have to be a strict 5 a.m. wake up. Jeff is one of the most productive people that I know, and I'm thrilled to have him back on the show. You're going to have to make sure that if you didn't listen to that first episode, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it first, and then jump back to this one, or vice versa. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, that episode, again, is beyondthetodolist.com slash 77. And before we jump into that conversation, this episode sparked in me the idea to continue on with the lynda.com course highlights. I want to show you some of the ones that I'm enjoying. And for this episode, considering what we're talking about with Jeff Sanders, I wanted to show you one in particular called Organizing Your Office for Maximum Efficiency. It's all about you guessed it, having a great work space in order to get good work and lots of work done in it. It's only an hour and two minutes long. So again, if you go to lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O, grab your 10-day free trial, or if you're already a member, you have access to this, and just search for organizing your office for maximum efficiency. And there's stuff in there about ergonomics for your office, office elements, including how to arrange your desk, things to consider in terms of your environment, storage, all this kind of stuff. It's going to help you whether you've got a private office or a home office or a shared office space. It covers all of that. Again, it's organizing your office for maximum efficiency. And as you listen to this conversation coming up in this show, you'll see how this fits in. It's it's a like hand-in-glove thing. So anyway, again, if you don't have a lynda.com account, you can start your free trial for 10 days by going to lynda.com slash T-O-D-O. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be highlighting a few more of these courses that you can take part in. And again, a 10-day trial is going to give you more than enough time to get in a bunch of these courses that I'm going to be highlighting. So take advantage of it, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O. 
and it's organizing your office for maximum efficiency. This week, it is my privilege to welcome back Jeff Sanders, who, in my book, is a 5 a.m. miracle. Welcome back, Jeff. Well, thanks, Eric. It's awesome to be back. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you think that of me, too. I think that's, that's good to hear. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last time you were on the show, we did talk a lot about some of the stuff that's in your new book, The 5 a.m. Miracle, which is also the, the name of pretty much everything else you're doing. Good branding there. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was going back through and saying, okay, let's not retread everything we already talked about. And then I thought, this might get difficult because the last time we talked a lot about how the heck you're so productive, how you manage energy all day, how do you, you know, what's your morning routine. But then I realized, well, we really talked about what it looks like for you. We didn't talk about some of the roadblocks or the hypotheticals that where the rubber meets the road, in other words, and, and how people, how average people can become awesome people by doing this. That's so, good. yeah, definitely. Once I caught that thread, I was like, okay, that's where we go. And that's where you go with the book. So I was very impressed. In fact, I, this is one of those books that I wish I wrote, to be, <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people might be coming into this thinking, oh, the 5 a.m. miracle. Yeah, you put those night owls in their place, but that's totally not what you do. However, you do kind of say, hey, the later you're staying up, the less productive in some senses you are going to be. But. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, tr I tried to be nice the night owl. Right, book, definitely. I, I, and the thing is, is again, I have friends who are night owls who are highly productive. However, I think statistically or studies, studies show that old thing. You may be getting stuff done, but you may not be getting as much done as you really could be getting if you restructured your stuff just a little bit and went more towards the path you're suggesting here. Yes, I think that that's definitely true, especially with the fact that most people, this is true for, I think, for the majority of the population, is that your brain is most alert early in the day. And so if you're taking advantage of, of that one aspect, that you are ready to think early in the day, uh, I think that that's when you're also going to have the most energy, it's when you're also going to be able to get the most done and have the highest quality work. Uh, not, not to say you could not be, also be productive at night, uh, but I think the, the best opportunity is in the morning hours. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, hey, I want to be awake during the time when there's the most sunlight. Well, then you wouldn't sleep till noon. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of that shift of when you wake up, once you wake up, there's only a certain amount of, and, and I think John, uh, John Acuff had this in one of his more recent books, where the longer you're awake, like, and the more, no, it's the cognitive load thing, where the longer or the more you make decisions throughout the day, when you get near the end of the day, you just don't care about making the decisions or your willpower is worn out. And, and, it, and there's studies for that, too. And it's similar to cognitive energy that you talk about here. So one of the things that I noticed, and maybe I'll hold on to this. Actually, I'll hold on to this till later, because I want to talk about this when it's in that kind of context. So... Let's step back for a second, and some people are saying, yeah, but I'm not a morning person or a night owl, or I am a night owl. Why are you trying to tell me that I have to do it this way? And it's not that you're inventing some new thing about waking up at 5 a.m., and, and, and again, you don't even say adamantly it has to be 5 a.m. This is not a new concept. You didn't invent it. Correct. I think that when you look at what early mornings are for most people, especially those who are really successful, you find that early risers do tend to be the ones who get the most done and have the most success. 
and and looking at that, and I have examples in the book of people, you know, past presidents and, and, and really famous people who have done great things. A lot of them do choose wake up in the early hours, and, and that allows them to be more productive. But I think one of the main points I make in the book that I really tried to hit home is that it's not about 5 a.m. It's really an arbitrary time, and that if you choose your hours wisely, then you can wake up whatever time you want to, and as long as those hours are well-planned and you are intentional about that time. But at the same time, I do believe that the early morning is the optimum time and that if you choose to wake up around sunrise or at any time near that, that you're going to get the best benefits you possibly could. Yeah. So in other words, it's not just about getting up or getting up at a certain time. It's about what you choose to do with your time and optimizing yourself for that time. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So flexible wake up time. So, okay. So the 5 a.m. miracle is the title of the book, but it could easily be the 6 a.m. miracle, the 7 a.m. For some people, it is a miracle to get up at 7 a.m. even. That is true. <laughs> uh, and what I love about this approach is the fact that as you get into the book, you realize – well, you actually split this out too. You even talk about uh, – I forget how you put it, but there's the certain people where if they were to crash course themselves into this and, okay, tomorrow morning, you get up at 5 a.m., they're going to feel horrible. and they may do it a few more days, but then they're going to tune you out completely and stop reading the rest of the book. And then there's these other people. What do you call them? Like masochists or something? I don't yes, remember. I do. Yeah. Okay, good. I wasn't wrong. Where that is their best approach for their personality type or work style type or whatever. And so you're very careful to differentiate between those two. And I have been both those styles at I different times. Yes. So, and you have too. Yes. You, you share that. And I think so for me, What's interesting about wake, the whole waking up at 5 a.m. thing, it was kind of uh, serendipitous that we just went through the whole changing your clocks forward an hour or back an, hour, back an hour, sorry. And so suddenly, everybody's internal clocks, which you also talk about in the book, are off a bit. So now might be a good time to take advantage of that you know, internal clock momentum, if you will. That's, that's the way I'm looking at it. That if I was getting up at 6 o'clock already, suddenly at 5 a.m. now, because we've changed our clocks, my body feels like it's 6 a.m. Yes, and this is probably the best time of the year for anyone to make that switch. I mean, not, not every person on Earth has the advantage of the, you know, the time change, but if you do, which is a lot of people, then you have an awesome opportunity to, at the very least, wake up an hour earlier with no extra effort which is fantastic, especially if you want to take advantage of that time. I know for me, like my schedule had actually been a little bit off the last few weeks. So when the time change happened, I was able to reset myself back to early mornings without any extra effort. And I really appreciate how that was so easy for me. And that's just, yeah, it's an awesome time to do that. Um, because if you want to make that switch and, and get up earlier, it, like I said in the book, you can either do it the masochistic way of like just extreme hardcore, wake up early and feel like crap for a couple of days, or the slower approach. And I think that the slower approach is the most effective one. But either way that you choose to do it, the real goal is to make sure that it sticks for you for the long term. And so whatever advantages you can pull in for yourself, I think that's definitely going to help you out. Either way you were going to approach it, at the time of this recording and releasing, things have just changed fundamentally <laughs> for an hour. And so use that to your advantage. No, what's this slow technique? What's this flexible, you know, it's 15-minute increments? Yeah, that's why I recommend the book only for the pure reason that if you are 
really not a person who likes to wake up early and your alarm clock just makes you angry in the morning, then the goal is to very methodically and slowly work yourself into an earlier morning routine, which really begins with going to bed just a little bit earlier so the next morning feels a lot more natural. And if you make that transition very slowly and have just a 15-minute wake-up time that's a little bit earlier and hold that for a few days and then 15 minutes more and hold that for a few days then by the time you actually get to your ideal wake-up time, it does not feel painful. You're not going to be exhausted at work. You don't need a ton of extra coffee just to stay awake, um, which is really kind of that jet lag feeling you might experience if you try to do the whole thing all at once. And so the slower approach, not only I think is easier in the time you're doing it, but it definitely sticks around a lot longer for most people. And so if you want this to be your long-term lifestyle, I think the slower approach is the better one. So... As I was thinking about this and uh, had already kind of thought through what we were going to talk about, then this morning happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have actually some real-life experience stories here to talk about uh, from this morning, one of which is I was up early. Yesterday was a pretty difficult day for me, so I said, okay, I'm going to give myself 6 o'clock instead of 5. <laughs> and the interesting thing here, though, is that at about 6.30, suddenly both my kids were up. Mm. And so that time that I had planned specifically to work on something was then suddenly gone or at least derailed and then I had to you know, get back on the train. You don't have kids. I know a lot of people have said this to you. Man, when you have kids, you're going to – you know, all the stuff you're writing about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it's, it's one of those just like oh, we'll wait and see what happens at that moment. Yeah. I think, but but at the same time, what I discuss in the book and the structures that I live out today can still be applied to a lifestyle that has those extra variables. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to approach it in a different way and have different times you wake up or make different choices as far as your actual morning routine and, and daily, you know, specific actions you take. But the principles still apply. The intentionality still applies. I mean, your example right there of if you woke up at five instead of six, you may have had an extra hour to work on your project without any distractions. And that's really what this is all about is, is asking yourself, what does your life look like and how can you create the structure that gives you the most effective times possible to get your work done and to be productive and to feel your best? And if that means a 5 a.m. wake-up call is the best for you, then, and then you should work to make that possible. But, of course, some days, like what you had this morning, will happen, and then you have to kind of you know, respond in the moment to that. But the goal is, over the long term, to have kind of an ideal routine in place to know what that looks like so you can get back to that. And, and like you said, get back on the saddle as quickly as possible. And when you have that approach and that mindset, that's when you see a lot of productivity happen. Yeah. And this actually kind of plays into one of the other factors that you talk about benefit wise. Uh, and again, real life tweaking for me, as soon as I realized, oh, they're up and they're up for good, they're not going back down. And it's only 630. Then I realized, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to fully make the switch into 5am that I had been, you know, saying since the time changed that I'd done, you know, kind of every other morning. And I just said, okay, now I need to do it. The benefit there is one, yeah, being up that early. But the other key piece is being a little bit more intentional or decisive about what that time is going to be for, for me personally, that if they were to get up still at 6.30 instead of 7 or 7.30 like they should, then I'm going to take advantage of the fact that one, they're up and spend time with them, or two, uh, or all of the above, B, all of C, all of the above. Anyway, <laughs> this test is getting weird. That that I wouldn't plan on that time in the morning being something where I'm. What's the best way to put this? 
checking off something off a list or actually doing a creative thing or a, a productive a, – I'm not producing anything. I'm more taking that time to do some physical activity or mental waking up, meditation, prayers – you know, sit-ups, crunches, push-ups, all that kind of stuff in the living room and reading even and bringing my mind and body to a point where then after they've, you know, gotten off to school and everybody's had breakfast, then I'm so much more ahead of the game because my body and brain are warmed up for the race for the rest of the day. That's a really good point. And that's, I, I do touch on that a little bit in the book in the sense of healthy habits and this whole idea that really there are two approaches to the early mornings that I like to think of it. One is the one we discussed before, which is your early morning could be a time to produce something, to be creative, mm-hmm. or the, the more of the, in the energy approach, the one that I really like to, to lean on the most, where my morning hours are not really about creating anything for work necessarily, but it is more about waking myself up physically and mentally. I drink water, I have smoothies, I, I exercise, you know, and whatever you, that looks like for you, you create that kind of energy force field so that when your day begins, you have all of this just kind of built up and ready to go. And now you're most, you're mentally alert. You're ready to, you know, to kick butt in the day. And that's really the intention behind it is that your morning sets you up for success later in the day. And none of us are immune to distraction throughout the day. You know, we want to pick up our phone, different things like that. But, and let me ask you this, you know, personal experience. I know you still have had times where, uh, <laughs> and you, and you go about in the book telling us how to deal with some of those in some great ways. But personal experience from you, going through your morning routine, do you find that you're more, uh, I'll use the word centered, or focused on your purpose is another way to put it, for the day that some of those distractions become less potent? Yes, I think that's definitely true. I think that for me to really kind of, I mean, one thing I approach I take is that I, I really like to avoid technology of all types when I first wake up so that I can get myself centered so that when I do approach that, I feel very mentally ready to take that on with whatever that looks like. And so if I have the opportunity to to get myself like, really, yeah, really mentally prepared for what that could be, that battle I might be facing through emails or whatever the case is, that I am ready for that. And so for me to have that kind of place of centeredness, whether that's through reading or meditation or running or whatever it is I do that morning, if that can set me up for that next work I'm going to do, that's ideal. Now, you said that you've done kind of both approaches where you've either used that morning time to really hammer on something that you're producing or to prepare yourself like we were just talking about for the rest of the day to be as you know productive in one of those, and I think it's the first one, I think it's the one where, no, the second one, sorry, where, you, where you're really hammering home on something first thing in the morning, that then you take the rest of the day, the day kind of easy. Yes. That's <laughs> it's, it's Brian Tracy's eat that frog mentality where yes. you're going to wake up and just do something that you really hate or something that you really have to do, whether you want to do it or not. And once that thing is done, it's just this huge weight off your shoulders and the rest of the day feels like a breeze. And I think that I took this approach actually when I wrote the book, which I would, I woke up at five and I, I drove to um, the library. Actually, it was, my wife is in grad school right now, so I'm using her school's library. And I drove there and just parked myself in the library by 6 a.m. and would work on the book for like four straight hours. And then I'd go back on with the rest of my day and that's when I would exercise and do everything else. And by the time that I finished that kind of four-hour block of writing, the rest of the day was like the easiest, best day ever because I'd already tackled something that was so important. Now, most people don't have four hours to work on a project in the morning, but even if you had just 30 minutes or an hour, 
it's amazing how much better you feel when that thing has been knocked off your list. And the rest of your day is just this really is an opportunity to just make extra progress and get like bonus points in the day. And that's really how it feels. So it's almost like pushing the sled up to the top of the hill first thing in the morning and the rest of the day is more sliding down. That's a great analogy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Trademark. Um, so, yeah, and, and I've found that to be true myself. One of the things – now, this goes back to the uh, you know, kind of brute forcing the waking up at 5 a.m. or whenever uh, thing that I've done in the past. And here's one of the you know confession failure things that I've not taken to, into account when doing that is I'll get up early. I'll brute force a bunch of stuff for about two hours. You know, I'll drink coffee, I'll be wide awake, and I'll get to about lunch, one, two, even three o'clock, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. And so I will then, unfortunately, have more coffee too late in the day, and then that derails my – I may still make myself go to sleep at a reasonable hour to get up early again, but now I've just ruined some of the quality of sleep because I've had too much caffeine. Yeah, I hate that. I know exactly <laughs> how that feels. Um, I've had one too many of those days. I, I think that – one thing I really leaned on just kind of the last few years with you know my dietary choices is that I I love to have a lot of water and I love to eat a lot of fruit. I mean, bananas were a big discussion of ours in the last time we mm-hmm. talked in the podcast. But I know that one thing I do for the afternoon is that uh, if I as best I can, I avoid having the extra caffeine and I'll drink a full liter of water early in the afternoon. And what that does is it really allows me to feel a lot more awake and focused and getting my work done in the afternoon. I normally would have been extra tired and needing a stimulant. Um, the water acts in many ways as an energy source. Um, and then when, the, when that night rolls around, I'm not extra you know, stimulated from the caffeine. So I can fall asleep and get higher quality sleep. And I think that's focusing on those healthier habits, especially in the afternoon hours, is really important because that's when most people are going to have their discipline falls away and, and they lean on the coffee or, you know, eating a Snickers bar instead of having a banana or things like that. Like the real goal is to say, like, what can I do to make sure that I'm not only productive now, but I'll be productive again this evening, which falls into the next day. And this whole thing just catapults itself into a, you know, a big productivity lifestyle. So every choice you make could have, you know, a consequence down the, down the road. So it's really that question of how can I have a short-term sacrifice of not having the coffee uh, for the long-term benefit of being productive. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and I'll say this, and, and you've probably experienced this yourself. One of the things that kind of broke me from that cycle, that mid-afternoon, oh my gosh, need a coffee crutch, was I would get up, I would take a 15, 20-minute walk, preferably outside in warmer air or definitely sunlight, and I would try to drink as much water as I could possibly do <laughs> right then and just know, one – the water is going to rehydrate me because probably that's more the issue, to be honest, is dehydration. Yes, but then two, the, the physical movement of getting my blood pumping wakes me up as well. But then three, if I've drank that much water, I'm going to get up over and over again <laughs> the rest of that <laughs> afternoon. And that's so, true. yep. Uh, yeah. And the other thing, so then moving into the evenings and kind of setting up your mornings the night before, I've heard lots of people talk about this. I want to go at this from a perspective of why uh, – the best way to put this is why do you think night owls think they get so much more done at night? Well, I think they think that because they do get an extra energy boost at night. Right. Like it, it's, it's a real thing. Like I mean I've – definitely in college, I really relied on that same mentality uh, to boost me through a lot of you know, all-nighters and late night you know, kind of studying and cramming. Uh, but I think that if you want to really have the best possible next day – then your evening has to come to a close. There has to be like an, an end to your day. So if you want uh, to be as productive as possible and you embrace the idea that you will have the time the next morning, then you have to kind of shut your day down early, force yourself to go to sleep, wake up the next day, maximize that time when you have the most energy and really get on that cycle. Um, it doesn't mean you can't do things in the evening. Of course, you totally can. Uh, but I think that you know, I, I've set a personal boundary for me as 8 p.m. to say just turn everything off by 8 p.m., stop working, because I know my tendency would be to keep going, and I think that I'm being productive, but if I am in that time period, my overall productivity for the rest of the week is now lower because I didn't take advantage of the best times that are going to be coming up in the next few days. And so it really is kind of this longer-term, bigger-picture perspective on when am I most productive throughout the week and how can I guarantee that those time segments are really optimized. So not just having kind of a hard stop to work per se at whatever time that's best for you, whether that's, you know, the five, 5 PM miracle, the, uh, you know, or 8 PM 
And again, here's one of the things, because like some some people out there, they're like, I need to squeeze more out of me during the day, and there's only so much time, so I either need to get up real early before the kids and work on something, or I need to stay up late after they're asleep to work on something. And I think both you and I know, if given the choice, probably the morning one is going to be when you get more done. But then again, depending upon if you're night owl, you know, you might <laughs> you might find the evening better. Uh, the screens, turning those off at a certain point in time, because mm-hmm. again, that affects, you know, the, you, you could not drink the coffee, but hey, if you're staring at a screen at 10 p.m. and 10.01, your head's on the pillow, your sleep's not going to be as great as it could have been if you'd turned them off at nine or even eight. It's definitely true. I think that one thing I've tried to really instill in myself is turning off all the screens, you know, the iPads, the iPhones, the TVs, all the technology, and really just focusing that last like hour before I go to sleep on just like take a shower and read a book. Like make it very simple. Something that, and, and my books are not electronic, right? Like a real physical book. Um, that way I really can just kind of fade away into sleep and get much higher quality sleep. And I definitely notice a difference on those evenings where I actually follow through my own plan. It does work. It's just really that discipline of forcing yourself to turn off those distractions and putting the work away for the day or putting away the TV show for the day so you actually can make the next day as best as it can possibly be. And this is one of those things where if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all, he's one of his things is, you know, people don't get stuff done or don't hustle as much as they should because they're always, you know, stop watching so much TV. That's one of his main things. I hear him say it all the time. And, uh, hey, I like my TV as much as the next guy, but I also have limits. Like, we only have certain shows we watch, and we don't watch every other little thing. But uh, even my wife and I will, like, cut it off at a certain point. And as I was going through the book, I realized that one of the things that I think is probably the most productive or most useful of my time in the evening, which is which kind of you know made me empathize with a night owl, which I am not. I've never been able to pull off an all nighter in my life. Sorry, it's just <laughs> never happened. I've always been you know good intentions. All right, I'm going to get this paper done tonight, and you know we get to about three a.m. and it's like okay, this paper is like two thirds, three fourths done. I'll look at it in the morning, and that's just always how it's been for me. Last night, for example, I was reading a paper book and which I have pretty much kind of moved towards. I, you know, the whole Kindle and ebook thing, as great as that is for me personally, and I'm not getting on a soapbox here, but I've just found I actually enjoy reading more when it's a tangible thing that I'm reading. I don't know about you. Yeah, definitely. Actually, my parents bought me a Kindle like three years ago and I didn't read a single book on it. My wife took it like the next day and she uses it all the time. So it's become her Kindle and I still have physical books. And that's just, I think I really do enjoy the physical book so much more. And, and also I mean, it works to my advantage for the evening hours of going to bed. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely like physical books for sure. Yeah. And, and so last night when I'm, I'm sitting there reading a book and I realize that one of the things that you had talked about in the book, which was setting up this specific time to think. to mm. And I realized that's perfect for me in the evening. And in fact, feeling a little bit tired while doing that thinking actually almost acts, you know, allows you to access certain areas of the brain that, you know, are maybe a little, you know, are cut off or, or not accessible when you're in go, go, go mode, you know? Actually, it's a good point that I was just talking to my wife about recently was that sometimes I feel more productive when I'm tired than when I'm really awake because of when I'm really alert and caffeinated and highly energized. 
I get myself distracted on everything and I, I bounce around from idea to idea. So I think there's, there is an advantage sometimes actually being a little bit tired when you're doing your work. And that could be, if you want to use the evening hours for that and use the intentional thinking time for that. Uh, yeah, that could be really good. Yeah. I think that's where I'm personally leaning. So, you know, there's one of my personal takeaways from the book itself was just this idea that I know personally, I don't spend enough time in airplane mode, personal airplane mode <laughs> is how I'll put it. And then my wife was sitting there next to me, which was also nice because it was like, hey, we're not sitting here talking, but we're also sitting together. And it was like quality time and connecting time, but not, you know, we had to have a conversation or we weren't watching TV, that kind of thing. So it was still very valuable time. And, and suddenly it kind of starts opening up my mind to that possibility of I personally Unless I have caffeine, which then wrecks the morning, the night and then the morning, I personally am leaning towards that time in the evening being that slow down, slow thought, crockpot simmering <laughs> time mm -hmm. for me personally. And so I really like that you said that specifically time to think in there. And then I was kind of, you know, putting into practice some of what you were talking about. And it kind of all, you know, coalesced into this lesson for me. So very nice. <laughs> That's good. So, to hear. There, so there you go. I think one of the other key pieces here is, you know, how much of a, of an evening ritual or evening, uh, you know, I mean, are you, are you setting up your next day the day before at that absolute true, you know, cutoff time? Generally, no, only because I tend to plan throughout the day. So what I might, what I usually end up doing is having like a formal plan for the next day, uh, usually before I eat dinner. So I might do that around six or seven. Uh, so by the time 8 p.m. rolls around, I'm just kind of finishing up the last couple of things I want to do for that day. Um, but I usually have a plan outlined in my task manager well in advance. And so I can look ahead at my schedule and see what it's going to be. But what I'm really doing at the end of my workday is just tweaking it to make sure that I know exactly how the next day is going to flow. So when I wake up, I'm not making any choices. I'm just following through on the plan I already made. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I think that's true, too, is some people and I tend to do that where I you know, it's the end of the day and I get my pad of paper out and I will translate some stuff from a calendar and task manager onto that paper so that it's sitting there and I don't and, and I'm passing the baton to future me tomorrow morning me so that, you know, tomorrow morning me is not having to, OK, now what was I supposed to do today? And I got to look all these places and, you know, no, I can walk right in and just get going. Um, yeah, this morning, actually, I had this ginormous pink post-it note uh, that said interview with Eric at eight. And it was right there, like on my desk. And so when I walked in, like, you know, kind of groggy, I saw this br ginormous bright note. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have an interview this morning. Like, it just like yes. reminded me even in that moment that like, OK, it's time to get prepared for that. And I think that that's like it's I, I know my own tendencies, which I know that if I have a physical reminder for important things, it works every time. And so knowing I'm going to be tired and groggy tomorrow morning means that now when I have the energy, I'm going to plan ahead for my own kind of lack of ability to think. And that really does work very, very well if you do it, do it right. So speaking of task managing systems, I know you use Nosby. Yes. How is that the right pronunciation? I always forget. I think it's Nosby. Nosby. I've talked to the founder before. It's a made up word. So there's no, <laughs> no actual pronunciation for oh, it. So it's, it's GIF or JIF. Yeah. Yes, either one. Because <laughs> even the founder saying it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nice. I recently had a, a Blab roundtable conversation with a few people about a bunch of different task management software. And what we kind of came to was it doesn't matter which task management software you choose 
Just make sure you use the one you choose. Yes, that is so, so important. I, I think that's kind of like the pivotal message around task managers and calendars and even just software in general. If you're going to commit to something, then do it 100%. And when you do, that's where the benefits show up. Because a lot of these systems are very similar. And to really kind of pick apart which one's better or worse doesn't actually matter if you don't use it. And so that, that for me was the big epiphany I had when I adopted Nosebe like three years ago was that I dumped my entire life into the system and then I could see my entire life in one location. And that's where the benefit showed up. And that's when I knew, okay, this is how I can you know put these pieces together for my life to make everything work. But I mean, that could be done in other software as well. The real you know test was, can I commit to something and stick to it and use it every single day. And then once I did, I mean, bam, right there, I got so much more done for that one strategy alone. Well, see, and you just illustrated one of the other key pieces people don't typically do when they are asking that question and then decide to try something is they try it. They don't actually commit to using it for an extended period of time and making it work. They actually, <laughs> you know, they're, they're saying, uh, hey, which one is going to be the one that uh, is going to suddenly make me do my stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. um, only you can make you do your stuff. This is more just a tool to organize it and make sure that it's in the right place at the right time and reminds you in the right way. And, and there's all these different UIs and, and use, you know, user interfaces for these things. And it's really, I mean, really what it comes down to is they all have the same basic functionality. Yep. Really. It's more the user interface and the aesthetics of it. When it comes down to it, it's more, which one are you going to just finally say, okay, enough's enough and commit to? I think it's funny too, you brought that up with the, with the UI because Nosby for many years was a really ugly piece of software. It was. When I first adopted it, I was like, this is what I'm going to use right now? Really? Like I was kind of mad at myself for choosing ugly software, but it was one of those cases where once I got the functionality down and I committed to the system, then I was like, then I didn't care anymore. It didn't matter to me if it was ugly or had weird colors or, you know, some of the screens weren't quite the right places. Like I have all kinds of like little things and tweaks I've loved to, to do the software myself. But the reality was, is that it's not about how attractive it is. It's about the functionality. It's about, does it actually, you know, work for you? Or are you getting more done because of it? And if if so, then you can overlook a lot of the flaws you might see. Yeah, it's like getting hung up on, you know, my calendars, all the days are squares instead of circles. Yeah. <laughs> um, really, that matters. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really that we use that as an excuse. Yes, so, definitely. Talking about all this other kind of th this mesh of digital clutter versus tangible clutter in this thing you call equilibrium zero. I was fascinated that you were kind of lumping it all into to one thing and then you break it down and so for inbox zero let's let's touch on this for a second and i totally agree with you with the caveat i agree with you that it's great to have zero emails in your inbox and even if that's not traditionally what the creator of the term meant by it it's still good to have yeah when i first adopted inbox zero it was this kind of like breathtaking moment for me to like oh my gosh this is how I have to function forever. Like, this was just such a, a clarifying moment for me because whenever you can take something that traditionally is messy or unorganized or distracting or just causes you to feel guilty you haven't like taken care of it yet, when you get to that point where you can like really just visibly see, I have done all my work here, 
Like it's such a great feeling. I think that that's what really Inbox Zero does. Is it provides you that real sense of completion on something. And so even if that's only just once a day, that's a once a day victory. You get to say like, I tackled that project and it's done. And I find that to be so just empowering in terms of being more productive and knowing that because I did that, I really did attack a lot of these other projects in a way that I got stuff done and I'm going to be better off tomorrow because of it. Yeah, that that ability to walk in to your inbox again the next time and know there's only going to be the stuff in there that is brand new, that wasn't there the last time I looked. Exactly. And <laughs> for some people, that's still going to freak them out. Yeah. Because they don't know what's in there the whole time between when they last were in there and when they're next going to be in there. But that's on you. Treat, you know, figure out that anxiety, work it through. Yes, exactly. Because honestly, the end of the world can be in that inbox and you wouldn't know it until you opened it up. That is true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So you've taken the inbox zero approach and then spread it out to other things like desktop zero and home base zero. What do you mean by that? Well, it's exactly the same concept of saying that you know there is such a thing as zero in these different you know scenarios. So for my desktop, um, it's not going to technically be a, a zero case where there's nothing on the desk at all. What I describe as desktop zero as there are certain few pieces that might be on your desk at all times. Like for my for my desk right now, um, I have a computer on there, and I have well for podcasting, I actually have my mixer is on here, my water bottle is on here. These are, so there are certain things that are there all the time. But then there's this free space in front of all that stuff that I keep empty at all times and unless I'm working on something. And so for me, desktop zero is when I've cleared away all of the junk and the clutter and the things that show up on the desk and I file those things away, put them away, cleaned it, threw the trash away, whatever the case was, I cleared that space to get to the point where it's, it's really an equilibrium. This is how the desk should look if nothing is going on. And ideally, that same concept is applied to your home office, to your actual office at work, to your living room, any location where stuff belongs somewhere where it's not right now. Like it should be going somewhere else. Dirty laundry should go in the hamper, you know, trash in the trash can. It's it's that same concept, but applied to your entire life everywhere. And if you can get back to that kind of equilibrium status where everything is put away, there's such physical clarity in your life because you're walking into a clean space. You know what matters and what doesn't. Uh, things that need to be put away are really obvious because they they stand out now because you can see it. Uh, I think that to me is such a, a great way to approach my day and to say that there is such a thing as having this clean, organized space. And if I can get to that, then I personally think better and I get more work done because I know I don't have unfinished business going around. Yeah, that's the thing for me is <laughs> as I was reading that, portion of the book, I was thinking back to high school and college where I could sit down at my desk, but I would do nothing because I would get back up and I would, you know, make my bed. I would empty the trash. I would put away my clothes. I would, you know, straighten my books. I would neaten up my drawers in my desk, all these other things. And at the time it was an excuse because I just didn't feel like sitting there and working. But at the same time, if I'm honest, That stuff was unfinished business sitting there as a, you know, it was depleting my mental RAM. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that's exactly what this this whole thing comes down to. Is I know that I mean, I'm a very type A kind of guy, so I, I details matter to me. I, I I like things to be in a certain way most of the time. And so I walk into like my home office, for example, where I am now. I have a very specific kind of equilibrium state that it should be in if everything's put away. And if there's even a single thing out of place, I know it. 
And this, uh, the same thing happened to me in college, actually, where I had my desk in my, you know, in my dorm room and then my fraternity house. I had a very specific setup for my desk. And my friends knew this. And so they would come in and rearrange things, like really subtly. Like they'd move a pencil from the left side to the right side or whatever the case was. And I would come in and be like, who touched my stuff? What is going on? Like I knew even the smallest stuff because I was just, I was, I was very anal about it. But like that kind of attention, you know, really does, I mean, to some degree, yes, it could be a distraction if you're doing it too much. But if you even apply that concept to the big stuff, to putting things away, to clearing that clutter, to having that mental free space, you really can get more done because you're not distracted by your own stuff. And that's really the goal. Yeah. And and for those people out there there who are like, well, I can live with a messy desk and uh, or not. Let me, let me put it a different way. Those of us out there who and I'm definitely more towards what you're saying, Jeff, but uh, those of us listening who are saying. Yeah, but I don't feel like I have to have a completely minimalistic, like cleared off desk in order to work. I can have, you know, a pile of books over there and a this over there and a, you know, I don't have to have it that way. <laughs> what do you say to those people? I think the best answer is that, is that everything in your life does have a place. And if you assign a place to it and you put it in that place and, and your life is better because of it, then it should go in that place. But if you honestly like don't mind it and you literally like if it does not at all affect your productivity or your mental state, then, you know, to each his own, go ahead and do it. I, there's no problem there. I just find that it is more effective for most people to be clean and organized, have a place for everything to go. Um, I know that I've heard many times before that, you know, the most creative people are, are the most creative when things are really messy which is true in the middle of a project. That's definitely true for me as well. I have times where everything is a mess, but that's because I'm in the middle of something and I'm thinking through it and I'm, I'm working out the details. But after that's over, things should be put away so I can then create my next mess for my next project. And that's when the creativity can come out for that specific thing. But if I have a project you know, mess from two projects ago and mix it with my, my current stuff, now all of a sudden there's things that shouldn't be there and that's only going to slow me down. That's not going to make me more effective. And so my goal is to only have kind of a, a controlled mess of my current work. That makes sense. I like that. I'm standing here I, literally, you heard me say it. I'm standing here at my desk. I know you do a standing desk as well. Are you doing that right now? I am. Okay. This is one of those things where we've talked about, you know, starting the day right. We've talked about kind of, you know, ending the day right. But let's talk about this middle piece a little bit here. One of the things that I knew for a long time was, uh, and, and when I was at my old job, there was a certain kind of a, a work desk in, in a different workspace that was not my office that I would kind of, I would take my iPad or my laptop and I would go over there and I would kind of stand there for an hour or two, which was about all I could do at the time. And I just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm not slouched fault feeling like I want to take a nap all day sitting in my chair. It's better for me. You know, I've, you know, read all the articles. I've heard all the, you know, you know, whatever. And Finally, just took the plunge, and at one point this this uh, this summer just took. There were two memory foam mattress boxes. That's the way to put it, and they were you know three four feet uh, you know three and a half feet up off the ground. And if I put them together, then it's kind of a, a rectangular surface. And then I put something on top of that, and then sat my laptop. And so, and that was great. But uh, and 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 that's a great way for people to start to do that. They've got to kind of work their way into it. 
Yeah, I think one of the first things I say is if you want a standing desk, just go find some empty boxes. Just go find something uh, to build up a desk. I mean, even right now, like I'm using my laptop for this interview only because my beautiful iMac died on me last week. And so I have on my standing desk, I have a stack of about 12 textbooks that are holding up the laptop. So like I have kind of made myself, you know, I created a kind of a a little temporary standing desk. It gets the job done and I will use this as long as I have to. Uh, But the reality is, is that that's where it starts. Now, I did that for a while at home and at my job when I had it a few years ago. And then I actually custom built my own standing desk at home now, but that's only because I was committed to it. I really wanted to keep that going. Uh, But you don't have to go that distance to build your own or even to buy one. You can just honestly just put together some really easy things you might just have around your house and construct something and it gets the job done and you'll see the benefits and you can do that for a couple of weeks. And then once you've experienced it, honestly, standing desks are impossible to walk away from because they're just they're so great. I love them. Yeah. Even when I'm tired, I I find myself still standing these days. I have uh, my office is now out in the upper loft area of our two car garage completely separate from the house and i have a you know an old janky recliner sitting over here too so that you know if i get too tired i can go sit down but i still find myself standing the majority of the time because i mean you can tell even now like i'm sitting here and my energy level is just higher my quality of podcast is higher because i'm standing and talking instead of you know sitting down and so so jeff tell me about your book (laughs) <laughs> and it's night and day difference. Like it really just is. And, and, and the one I'm using is actually one that I found. And this is what I was trying to get to was I'm suggesting anybody who wants to try this, there are some decent, if you Google, uh, standing desk hack, you will find pictures, diagrams, things that people have done inexpensively to have temporary setups where they can pull it out, use it, and then put it away, different things like that. That's where I started. And then I found one that I loved, which was actually using some Ikea furniture. Yes, I've seen that. So it, it, I love it. I love this thing. And in fact, I part of me when we end up selling the house and moving is I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this with me. But I think we're going to make another one that's in the house for my daughter to do homework at and or my wife to use. And I mean, I just love it. We it, for For just over $200. Seriously. And it's sturdy and it's big and wide and just has room for tons of stuff in it like it's really cool that's awesome yeah i, I saw a photo of one that maybe the one you're, you're talking about uh the yeah use ikea furniture and had like yeah so much storage space built into it that thought was really mm-hmm. cool uh so yeah that's fantastic stuff so what are some of the other things aside from standing all day and, and actually that's the let's finish real quick with that is somebody's adversive to like oh, i don't know if i can stand all day we didn't get here standing all day from standing all just flat out standing all day we did it in incremental shifts basically yeah, exactly. I think that when the in the beginning, when I first started standing, it was definitely challenging for my lower back. I felt that kind of after a couple of hours. Um, and so it took me about a week to a week and a half before I was actually doing a full eight hours of standing. And even then, I kind of went back and forth for a couple of weeks, to kind of, you know, making sure that I was really ready for it. But I also mixed that together with working out um, specifically to strengthen my core and lower back at the same time, just to make sure I could really adapt to it well. Um, because it is a, a very, as a physical change to your body, um, but it's one that's really effective and, and definitely worth the effort to do. But yeah, it does take a little bit of time to adjust to it. So I was doing small increments, a few hours a day, and then build from there. Um, but you will see the difference even in those few hours because you will begin to see the benefits just in that small time frame. So outside of 
you know, super <laughs> leafy green smoothies and things like that uh, that we talked about last time on the show, what are some of the other things that we can do throughout the day to maintain that level of energy that we created first thing in the morning or even to boost it as we go? As far as energy is concerned, I mentioned before drinking a lot of water. Um, one thing I actually did not mention in the book that I probably should have at this point is uh, doing mini workouts throughout the day. So I do this little one-minute burst of, of workouts. So I'll, uh, once an hour, I'll take one minute to do just like nonstop push-ups or just jumping jacks or just running in place. Something to just really kind of boost me for one solid minute and then I go back to work. And that simple little itty bitty workout has such a dramatic impact on me for, the, for that entire hour. And if I do that throughout the day, it's crazy just how effective that is to keep my energy up. Um, and you can combine that with drinking water, combine that with a standing desk, combine that with listening to great focus music or whatever the case is. It's incredible how that will keep you up and alert and excited for your day. And there's, there's no doubt physical movement is one of the best possible strategies to boost your energy and really help you get more done. All right. You're you're forcing me to up my game, man, like you always do. So <laughs> good. Uh, that is a genius idea. I know that I've heard that before. I think it was literally from Cliff Ravenscraft on episode one of this podcast and <laughs> where he would say, I, I get up and I do, you know, a full minute of jumping jacks. And I was like, really? I didn't know you did that. Well, and that was well before Cliff Ravenscraft pulled a Cliff Ravenscraft where for this past year, he's been so focused on his health and he's doing amazing. And he was, he was actually on the show. Let's see. When was it? Uh, it was like episode 99, I think, you know, a few months ago. Anyway, tremendous difference. Yeah. The standing desk and the drinking of the water has been part of my game. I'm going to add in these mini workouts. Good. So yeah, they, they really do work. I'm telling you, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> All right. So, People are hearing this, and honestly, I think everybody should get the book. I know I have people come on the show all the time that have a new book out, and it's that kind of thing where, you know, hey, an author goes out and goes on a bunch of podcasts to push their book, but I only pick people that I really want to have on, and you were one of them, and, in, and as soon as I knew you were coming out with a book, I already had planned on you coming back. I want everybody to go get this, because seriously, this is one of those books where I wish I, I really do wish that I had written it and I want everybody because I want everybody to read it. That's that's the point. And so it's just come out as time of this release or it's on pre-order. Let's direct people as to where we need them to go to get in on like bonus stuff and all that stuff. Yeah, it's 5ambook.com, uh, which you can also find if you go to just my main website, jeffsanders.com. There's a link for it. It says book in the top uh, nav bar. Uh, but yeah, 5ambook.com is the place to go. You'll see links there to find the book on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and Books A Million and all those places. Um, and then if you uh, pre-order the book or if you buy the book, I'm actually going to keep these gifts available for a few weeks after the launch. Um, so if you buy the book, come back to 5ambook.com. You can pop in your email address and I will send you uh, some really cool gifts. One of them, you know, I have a 47 Strategies uh, Self-Assessment for Productivity. Uh, you'll get that for free. My first book is available for that. Uh, as well as an excerpt of the book as well. So if you pre-order it, you'll get the free copy of that. Uh, so there's a lot of cool free gifts that are built into there. So yeah, 5ambook.com is a place to be. Awesome. People, seriously, and not to pass this over, uh, an award, is it winning or nominated? I can't remember. Podcast. Uh, I've been nominated twice. Okay, S same here. <laughs> some people have some people have actually mistakenly said award award winning podcast, and I'm like, oh, yes, I've been called that too, and I'm like, no, 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 don't don't say that. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing was won, uh, but it's an honor to be nominated. It is. <laughs> um, you've got to check out the 5 a.m. Miracle podcast. 
with Jeff Sanders. And that's over there at 5 a.m. Miracle or jeffsanders.com as well. And, and I know we've got a lot of crossover audience listeners. So Yes, we do. That is true. But for those of you who have not listened to his show, that's the next show you need to go check out is go over to Jeff's and download them all and then listen through them. <laughs> Excellent. That would take you uh, 72 hours to listen to all my podcasts. There you I, go. I told it up. It's a crazy number now. I, I can't listen to myself that, that many hours, but <laughs> somebody else probably could, I guess. <laughs> nice. So, Jeff, thank you so much. You're always welcome to come back on the show. We'll have to figure out what's up next. Maybe it's a roundtable where I come down to Nashville and we get a couple people yeah. in a room and we just hammer it out or something. But, Jeff, it's been great having you back on the show. Thanks so much. Definitely, Eric. Thank you very much. It's been awesome today. Well, I certainly hope that you enjoyed that conversation and being able to be a fly on the wall and listen in as Jeff and I stood at our desks and talked. Again, I hope that you can really get something out of not only this conversation with Jeff, but also the previous episode that you can find if you missed it at beyondthetodolist.com slash 77. Make sure to go check out Jeff Sanders at his site at jeffsanders.net. There you'll find all the information you need if you're not already listening to his podcast and you're not already a pre-order person on his book like I am. Thanks again, Jeff. And make sure to tweet Jeff on Twitter and let him know you enjoyed this conversation. You can find him there at twitter.com slash jeffsandersTV. And again, I hope now that you've listened to this conversation, you see how my suggestion at the beginning about organizing your workspace and that course from lynda.com that you can get if you're a lynda.com member or go grab your 10-day free trial at lynda.com slash to do. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O. Get your 10-day free trial, then work your way through that hour and two-minute session that will help you cover some of the stuff we talked about in this episode and more regarding organizing your workspace for the highest amount of productivity that you can get out of it. Seriously, people, it's it's important. I am standing talking to you right now at my standing desk. It's not even just about standing desk stuff. It is all about making your space work best for you. Again, that's lynda.com slash T-O-D-O, and the course is Organizing Your Workspace for Maximum Efficiency. Thanks again for listening. Please let me know if you've enjoyed this episode. You can tweet me at Eric J. Fisher on Twitter. That's Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go on over to beyondthetodolist.com and click the subscribe button of your choice or if you're in iTunes or prefer iTunes, go to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. And hey, while you're there, you could leave a rating or a review. That would be especially helpful. And again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of this. Let me know what you learned and what steps you're taking to maximize your productivity. I'm Eric Fisher, and I'll see you next episode.
Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast. Theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.